Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, overprohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. My boyfriend and I have this competition where, because we're in this reboot, uh, a palooza of, of a century or of a decade. Yeah. Where like everything old is new again. Um, yeah. Where we place bets on what is going to be the newest thing and it's a game where we both always lose like did you see netflix is rebooting rocco's modern life now um, <gasps> i know yeah oh you haven't seen yet oh my god no they're making a movie everyone's back um you should oh my watch. god please don't tell me it's 3d please don't tell me it's 3d it's not 3d it's the original god. animated um yeah but it's i think you'll enjoy it i won't tell you more about it. um filbert <laughs> Well, I wonder, is Smash going to be on, like, should we put it on our reboot leaderboard? I would adore that. I just don't think. I don't think it's going to happen. Never going to happen. <laughs> um, but. What would be on your. golly, that'd be incredible. On your, place, place your bet. Like, what, what hasn't been rebooted that's going to be reboot next? It's a fun it's game to think about. That is a fuss. There's so much. Um, wacky races. Ooh, that's a good one. Welcome to Jim and Tomic's Musical Theatre Happy Hour. I'm Jimmy. And I'm Tommy. And this is your only musical theatre podcast with mimosas. And melismas. Mm. Here we take apart your favourite shows, muddle them together with a shot of buffoonery, and pour you a refreshing glass of musical theatre conversation. Tommy, what are you drinking today? Well, rum punch. My favorite. Why rum punch, Tommy? Well, I've got a quiz question for you. Perfect. One of the most iconic songs in this musical was inspired by the polio vaccine. What show, Jimmy? It could only be Mary Poppy. There's a mist coming in Like something is brewing And bad to begin 
Can't put my finger on what lies in store But I feel what's to happen All happened before I feel Mary Poppins Mary Poppins, eh? Oh, it's a Mary Chim, chim, chip, chim, chiroo Yes, yes, yes yeah, this is this movie is like single handedly responsible for people doing bad accents. Terrible, terrible British. British accents. Yeah. I spent years of my life not knowing that Dick Van Dyke was like this was probably my first exposure to a British accent, if you yeah. could call it that. So I thought it was just what spot on. Do you know what? It's not that bad. It's not that good either. No, <laughs> but I think it's been blown out of proportion. He tried real hard. A lot of them did. You listen to uh, like the cook and the housekeeper too. Yes, <laughs> it's you know, like Glennis Johns has a great accent, um, and I think everyone else is just British. Yes, is Glennis Johns British? Um, George, she could be. Let's look briefly. Oh, yeah, she's Welsh. Oh, lovely. That makes sense. Her name's Glynis Johns. <laughs> Literally the most Welsh name on earth. Um, excellent. Well, yes. So, hey, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Based upon some short stories by Miss P.L. Travers. Yes. Um, and the musical version was brought to life as the iconic Disney movie. In 1964, with music from the Sherman Brothers. And then it was adapted into a stage musical, what, four decades later, five decades later in 2004, on the West End, with additional music and lyrics from Styles and Drew. Yes, indeed, and then it hopped on over the pond to Broadway in 2007. And I saw it. It's the most important part of its history. Yes, I saw it on tour, not on the West End, but it was the first tour, so... Oh, fabulous. There's That's something. fantastic set design differences between the tour and the the um, the bigger Broadway and West End versions. Did you see the dollhouse yes. set that opened up? Um, so, yes, I can't remember if ours flew or if ours opened. And there are parts, some tours have a portion that flies, like the yes. nursery flies in, but the rest of the house is the dollhouse. Yes. Whereas the Broadway version, the whole thing is is this big set that rolls forward and back with the nursery on top, but then also flies in, which is baffling yep. to me how they accomplish that. Um, oh my goodness. It's just... Yeah, to, to have been, <laughs> I don't know, to have been camera back and it's like, this is what we're planning on doing. Yeah, good it's luck, like, everyone. Um, but <laughs> for, for the few people who did not grow up with Mary Poppins, it's a, an integral part of their childhood. What's yeah, the, I mean, who, who are you? What's this show about, Jimmy? Okay, so Mary Poppins is um, this kind of deity-like nanny mm-hmm. um, who comes in uh, on the wind uh, <laughs> to change people's lives, basically. And, and in this particular musical, she changes the, the Banks' life. Yes. Uh, Mr. and Mrs. Banks and Jane and Michael Banks. Yes, your kind of quintessential upper-middle-class uh, London family um, who are going through some quintessential upper middle class family struggles absolutely um, at the turn of the century at the turn of the last century another another where we go from turn of the century americana in meet me in st louis to turn of the century Britannica. exactly Brit- britannica Br- um definitely not britannica <laughs> wait no Br- i don't know Brits. <laughs> yeah, oh, Brits. Nice. Brit. Uh, chip, chip, cheroo. Um, 
but no, a beautiful, beautiful adaptation. Um, yes. And the from the movie, which I adore, to the musical, I, cert, I think this is my favorite, favorite Disney stage musical. Yeah. Maybe yeah. Lion, Lion uh, King being a close second. Yeah, but I like Lion King for different reasons. Like, I like Lion King because it's like, wow, spectacle, amazing. Yeah. Whereas this, I'm just in love with it so yeah. much. I'm in love with know? the story. I'm in love with the music, for sure. Oh, it's just it's just so beautiful. And like it, like you say, this has been a Mary Poppins has been a part of kind of everyone alive today. Oh yeah. Lives. I mean we're I I I say almost not jokingly, but the the Mary Poppins cinematic universe has also kind of exploded <laughs> in recent years. Okay, between exactly. Mary Poppins Returns and Saving Mr. Banks. Um yep. Not to mention now, like Mary Poppins in the West End and in the U.S. Uh, on Broadway, on tour, all over the place in Australia, like hugely pivotal. D- didn't Mary Poppins defeat like not as the Disney adaptation, but just the character herself? Didn't Mary Poppins defeat Voldemort during the London Olympics? Is that a thing? I remember. Oh my god. You're so right. <laughs> I completely forgot that happened. Like, Mary Poppins is a, like, culturally significant character. Absolutely. And it is. It's because uh, she's just she's just such an, a, a deity. Like, she, yeah. there's no explanation to her. Well, and um, she is so specific, too. Yes. Um, like, there, Mary Poppins is a type, you know, and it is parodied in The Simpsons and all sort like ripe for parody because of the specific kind of character that Mary Poppins is. Absolutely. Like some of the best parodies are of Mary Poppins. Like yeah. Mrs. Doubtfire, mm-hmm. uh, Sherry Bobbins from yeah. The Simpsons, um, Mrs. I can't remember the name, but the one from uh, the one from Arrested Development. Oh, uh, uh, isn't it just whatever? Mrs. Tobias- Winterbottom? Is it Winterbottom? Or something. Featherbottom. Mrs. Mrs. Featherbottom. Featherbottom. When I do, Mrs. Featherbottom. I do think, and one of the fascinating things about this story, and I've only, I've read the original, and I think I've read Mary Poppins' Turns maybe um, comes to the door. That one, that one opens comes to the door. The, opens yeah. the door, um, and I have very little memory of it. But one of the fascinating things I think about the like the movie version of Mary Poppins, and then by um, like adjacent to it, the musical version of Mary Poppins, is that yeah. you get such the sense that like this is just one episode in the existence of Mary Poppins. Like there is such a greater universe that must surround her because she blows in and blows out. Um, And like, you could watch a whole television show that follows Mary Poppins on her uh, wild journeys, helping families across the UK. Yep. Well, we actually have a TV show pretty much based on that premise. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's called Super Nanny. Oh, there's an American version of this. I think it's the same Super Nanny. I remember. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. She's very different to Mary Poppins. Yes. But she's still great. Yeah. And and inspired by, like, not not worth taking for granted. Um, so yeah, I think that's a great place to start, Tommy, is the very beginning, the origins of Miss Mary Poppins. By the time the wind has blown, the weather vane around, I'll show you if I can. No matter what the circumstance, for one thing I'm renowned, my character is spit, spot, spick, and spat. I'm practically perfect in every way. Practically perfect, so people say. 
If I had a fault, it would never dare to shine. I'm so practically perfect in every way. Both prim and proper, and never too stern. Well educated, yet willing to learn. I'm clean and honest, my manner refined. Shoes of the sensible kind. I suffer no nonsense, and whilst I remain, there's nothing else I feel I need explain. I'm practically perfect in every way. Practically perfect, that's my forte. Soiled, running like an engine that's just been freshly oiled. I'm so practically perfect in every way. Well, those are my credentials. Perhaps you have a few questions. Not temperamental, never. Not grouchy or gruff. Oh, a very thought. Will you stay tender when the going gets tough? Quite the contrary. Do you reach stories without a big fuss? Hmm. Or have objections to playing with us? Oh, I like games, but I choose them. Some minor improvements may not go. But at all times you must remember this. Now, do you think she's a miss or do you think she's a miss? I think she's a miss. I think she's a miss, and here's my evidence to back that up. Excellent, I'm ready. If P.L. Travers, who I'm sure we will talk a lot about, author of Mary Poppins, yep. is so insistent that there should be no hint of romance between Mary Poppins and Bert... Yep. My sense is that she's Miss Poppins as opposed to Mrs. Poppins. I would also add to that uh, evidence pile that in the Broadway version, her uh, archetypal nemesis, Miss Andrew, who is very clearly mm. Miss, and I think they would match that. And I also think there's this archetype that nannies generally are single unwed women who take care of other people's kids and not their own i don't yes i think very true I, you know i don't know if that's true or not but i think there's an archetype in there i would agree i would agree um yeah pl travers oh boy what a woman <laughs> um I, I mean it's like we could sit here and we could parrot the whole of the saving mr banks movie which i watched um, for the first time the other day Oh, did you? So what did you think? I thought it was remarkably moving. Um, yeah. I also think it's very clear that it's not true. <laughs> or like, <laughs> is is inspired by reality. Um, yeah. You know, like... At the end of the day, it's a Disney movie. At the end of the day, it's a Disney movie about Walt Disney, and they're going to paint him as the good guy. Um, yeah. You know, of course they are, even if there's going to be twists and turns along the way. And I think that's fine. You know, we've talked about this before, about, like, if it's based in truth, can how much can you bend it? Um, but I do – it is a wonderful a wonderful insight into the partial truth of, you know, Peel Travers and just the idea of, like – it is not often that Disney kind of 
intentionally pulls back the curtain around the actual difficulties of making some of their movies. Yeah, um, absolutely. They, they hide their process like nobody's business. Um, and so it is nice to see them kind of take a step back and approach it, certainly on their terms. Um, yeah. But, you know, still talk well, about it. Yeah, I think um, because of the furore surrounding P.L. Travers and her just fascinating personality, yeah. um, I think that's why the, the story of Mary Poppins' origin mm-hmm. um, is so well documented, just yes. because there was so much kerfuffle. Yeah. Um, if you haven't seen Saving Mr. Back, I would 100% recommend seeing it. It's Absolutely. an incredible movie. Yeah. Um, but the, the basic, the basically the reason why... It didn't. It wasn't smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. Is because P.L. Travers was kind of just resistant to any sort of change from her original work. Absolutely. Well, and even just at least as painted by the movie, the idea of adapting her books into a movie at all yeah. seemed like something she was very resistant to. Exactly. Um, which of because, course and, makes and, her great a great movie. <laughs> Absolutely. Because basically the Mary Poppins that we know and love is not really the Mary Poppins that we see in the books. Um, And I would say that the Mary Poppins that we get in the musical Mm -hmm. is kind of a blend of the two. Yes. I do think that the Broadway and, you know, only having read the books a couple times a long time ago. Mm. um, But I do get the sense that the, the Mary Poppins we meet in the Broadway musical She's my favorite. She is, I think, the, you know, she's the Goldilocks, you know, just right version of Mary Poppins. Yes. Strict and vain, but kind and all-knowing, but also gentle, but tough when necessary. Um, yes. Like, which you don't get as much from Julie Andrews in no, the, tough, the movie version. The tough side you don't definitely don't see as much. She doesn't get her chance to kind of bring out her claws right yeah which, um, which is you know we get to we get to see that in the broadway musical which i think makes exactly. it all the better yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent it just makes her ca- because it, it, it that is that you know mary poppins she comes in as this position of authority mm-hmm. and she should be kind of bewildering yeah um and i think that adding that element it's almost like an element of surprise yeah really helps deepen her character absolutely so much more well, um, and one of the, the fascinating things then about the origin of the Broadway musical um, is so that Peel Travers, after her, what she would still describe as a terrible time with Disney, like all reports seem to say that she did not enjoy most of the movie. Um, yes. There's, there's differing reports, certainly uh, with the waters muddied by Saving Mr. Banks. Um, that kind of paints it in a different light. Um, yes. But she seemed to be very resistant to the movie existing, even after it was completed. Um, yeah. And so there's all sorts of stories about, you know, there could only be, like, if it was ever adapted into a stage musical, only written by um, British authors, and that Disney would have nothing to do with it. And while she was alive, she selected Cameron McIntosh and said he could do it, but only under these very set, specific set of conditions. Exactly. Um, yeah, because I think like she was she was really gunning for it to be adapted again. Yeah. Um, but correctly, like she wanted a sequel right. to the movie. She wanted a state. You know, she wanted something more. Yeah. So it wasn't like she was at that point completely against her work existing outside her own books. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she really, really wanted it on her terms, and certainly at the start, mm-hmm. Cameron McIntosh agreed to that. Yeah. Um, 
then she passed away. Yep. And obviously it would have moved into her estate. Um, and I guess Cameron McIntosh, being Mr. Moneybags, mm-hmm. was able to yeah. get Disney on board. Right. Well, and that um, is, I think, one of the most fascinating things about this entire story is that, you know, Cameron McIntosh, producer of Les Mis, Phantom, Oliver, Miss Saigon, Hamilton, like everything, and Disney, like, yeah. this is a huge collaboration. Absolutely. Like, this is the two, the biggins yeah. coming together. If Android Webber was in there somewhere, I then know. it's the... It's the owner, it's the monopoly of musical theatre. Um, I'll reserve my words about how glad I am that that didn't happen. Um, yes, I can imagine. <laughs> we, can, we can all imagine. Um, but yes, so his kind of opinion was that there's no point in doing this as a musical without the songs that everyone knows and loves. Absolutely, because they are so iconic. Exactly. Uh, you know, t- like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, a word that at the time was brand new to everyone, is now like, who doesn't know that word? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone can spell it. Everyone can spell it with their hands. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, every every kid who has learned to talk eventually is going to be proud to be able to like say that word. Um, Absolutely. It's so Absolutely. iconic. Like the the Sherman Brothers original songs for this show are catchy and good. Yep. And and they, they are just kind of iconic, you know? Yeah. Um in in all of the, the Disney songs mm-hmm. there will always be a Mary Poppins in there somewhere. I mean I would I would wager that the Sherman brothers defined the Disney sound. Um they they're writing in Mary Poppins and then later in Bedknobs and Broomsticks and mm. all sorts of things like the Jungle Book, the Sword in the Stone, the Parent Trap, like Winnie the Pooh, uh, mm. you know, on and on and on and on. Like they have defined a lot of what became the Disney sound. And then you hit the, De- the Disney Renaissance where we get Little Mermaid and Lion King. And there there is sort of a hearkening back to i think the sherman brothers legit musical theater sound something catchy something toe tappy with clever lyrics but a catchy tune um yep. and you know simplistic easily singable words with sometimes clever lyrics exactly exactly um and i think that yeah, that is why it's kind of stood the test of time mm-hmm. you know even uh, in researching this again, and I've not it's been a wee while since I've seen the film. Mm-hmm. But watch it again. Everything kept flooding back. Obviously I know every single word. Yeah. And it still fills me with just as much glee and joy and mirth. Yeah. Um so I think it, it honestly, if the, if it didn't exist mm-hmm. in the musical, yeah. there's no way it sh- would have existed. There's no way it really should have existed. Yeah. It just wouldn't have been right. Yeah, exactly. Like there It would have been a very different beast and it, everyone would just be wanting yeah the movie back you know yeah it was it was wise of cameron mcintosh to do whatever he did to exactly get disney on board and make this a collaboration i'm sure disney was <laughs> excited about it too certainly i don't doubt that for a second um well probably just because pl travers would never give them the rights no, absolutely not whatsoever. i have no doubt she's rolling in a grave I know. I would. I would adore to somehow see the email exchange between <sighs> Cameron McIntosh and the Travers Estate yeah. to try and work out how the hell they would allow that. Because yeah. I mean, it was so her grievances with Disney were so famous, yeah, and so clear and specific. Yes, 
Um, but I'm not complaining. I'm sorry, PL No, Travers, it's okay. I'm it's, not complaining. That, that's always a hard thing, especially with adapted stuff. Is like once it you know leaves the hand of the original artist, and like if you're going against their wishes, how much is that okay or not okay? I know. I, I know. Think- and. Well, to Cameron Macintosh's credit, mm-hmm. uh, he did obviously bring in Stales and Drew. Yes. Um, and he did bring in characters from the books that yes. weren't in the film. So it wasn't a, you know, like for like adaptation. Absolutely. Well, should we talk about these editions? Let's do it. that's uh, one of the biggest things uh in terms of differences are that there are new songs yes yes plenty of new songs um, yes as you as you often get with a um you know movie to stage adaptation one of the interesting things about this one is that you know while i think the the surviving sherman brother was certainly a consultant on these songs uh-huh. a, a lot of disney adaptations or some i would say uh disney um movie to stage adaptations usually retain much heavy much heavier influence of the original music writer or lyricist um Mm -hmm. this one less so um which is fascinating when you listen to how similar styles and drew's editions are when compared to the sherman brothers original songs exactly um so the basically the way that they got on board um was they I think heard that it was in the works mm-hmm. um, and decided, well, we want to be on board with that. So they penned uh, a song called Practically Perfect, mm-hmm. um, which uh, they then sent to Cameron McIntosh and he was like, I love this. Yeah. On you come. Yeah. I'm sure it was a lot more tricky than that, but <laughs> that sounds lovely and nice and tied up in a bow. Um, so that's kind of how it started. And, you know, when you listen to Practically Perfect, mm-hmm. if someone said to you, Oh yes, that was actually a cut song from the film. Yeah. You'd buy it. You would. And which is crazy because most of the cut songs from the film actually ended up in bed knobs and broomsticks. Um, yes. and they're not as good. <laughs> they're not. No, exactly. They were very, you know, they were cut for a reason. <laughs> yeah, they're fine, but like you can see why they were cut. Um but and Absolutely. like one of the wonderful things I love about knowing that the movie existed and is like, this is an, a really accessible study in stage musical adaptation. 
Mm. Um, like you look at the reason why Practically Perfect exists, and it's because Spoonful of Sugar is a great song and an iconic song, but they don't want it to be – so they want to save it, right? They want to hide it a little bit and put it yep. later in Act 1. They don't want it – and it doesn't really serve as a good character introduction for Mary Poppins, um, mm-hmm. which because this is a stage musical, we need a little bit more. Right in yeah. in the movie, we get that with her first interaction with George Banks, um, which is cut down significantly in the stage musical version. Um, yes, and instead we get "Practically Perfect," which is a song where Mary Poppins describes herself. She's practically perfect in every way, um, and like follow tracking the adaptation and like the moving of songs between where they were like how they existed in the movie and like how they transposed them into the musical like this comparing how successful it was in this compared to how unsuccessful it was in meet me in st louis yes is a fascinating study um weirdly yes weirdly prurient yeah this you can tell how much thought was put into it when they you know like tore the movie apart and then put it back together to be a stage musical Exactly. And I think, like, um, it, it's weird. It's not even like Styles and Drew were the biggest stands of Mary Poppins of all time. No. They said that their favourite movie was actually Chitty Chitty Bang Bang um, <laughs> when they were growing up. You know what I mean? Um, but it just it just shows you how much in the lifeblood yeah. Mary Poppins is that it's like, well, yeah, I could write for that character. Absolutely. And yeah. Here I go. I've penned a song. Well, then um, even some of the additions they make to the pre-existing songs, um, uh-huh. like one of my favorite things about the stage musical is the, the re-terming of the concept of step in time. Um, and they yes. do this all over the place. Like this kind of, like, I think Styles and Drew as lyricists are really clever with their wordplay in this show. Yes. Um, but that step in time, in the movie, it's like, basically, step in time is like, it's a dance we do. We step in time, right? Kick your knees mm-hmm. up, step in time. Link your elbows, step in time. Step in time, step in time, right? That's that's the context of the song. And it's fun, and it's great, but pretty fluffy. But then, yep. to be recast in this adaptation as childhood is a step in time, parenthood's the same, never miss a chance to get it right. If you ever need us, the chimney sweeps will be there, and we'll step in, step in time. Like, we'll step in just in time, and like... It sounds like that was the original song. If you yes. didn't know any better, you would think it's the original song, but it totally like expands upon and like adds such wonderful detail to the meaning of this song. It makes it a whole new song while not changing it. Exactly. Um yeah, and it's, the, the one for me is Super Cali. Yeah. Like it's a completely different song. Absolutely. In so many ways. They've kept the hook. Yeah. The hook is there. Yeah. But you know, they've not got the pearly kings and queens, you know, hitting each other in heads with tambourines anymore. Right. Um, they've got this brand new celebration of wordplay. Yeah. And history. You know what I mean, and it's just, it's so, it, it just fits so well because it feels very British. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. When I think that's one of the things, like, it, it is easy to knock Disney as being this corporate machine, and I think that's mm. absolutely true. But you see them make these, you know, kind of uh, 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 perhaps focus group um, inspired choices 
very mm-hmm. effectively. Um, and like, I have no evidence to prove that this is true. But one of the most delightful things, you know, I saw the show with my parents and like we grew up with this movie. And it was such yeah. a surprise and such a delight to hear these songs that we absolutely recognized with new lyrics and new verses that seemed so appropriate and were delightful and exciting to witness. And like, that's just audience pleasure right there, right? It ha- has everything to do with the progression of the story and everything to do with like the corporate money-making interests of this as a musical adaptation. Exactly. It doesn't feel like anything's been sold out yeah. in the show. Nothing feels like it's shoved in because we need that moment. Right. Like we, ha- we have to find a way to incorporate this song because it's so iconic. Like, no, they took the time. And I'm, certainly it speaks to what a good job they did the first time with the movie. Uh, yes. But that it, this is also not – as opposed to, say, something like Beauty and the Beast, which is just kind of uh, – and, like, very effective. Don't Like, love it. Don't get me wrong. But mm-hmm. just a padding out of the original story. Like, where yes. can we add a couple more songs that help give us a little more insight into these characters? And exactly. in such a way, we're like, in the, the re-release of Beauty and the Beast, they added back in – like, the animated version, they added back in – human again and like uh-huh. animated it because it was so easy to do you couldn't yeah. do that with the mary poppins movie you couldn't reset these songs back into it exactly and i think as well you know if you look at the beauty and the beast musical and if you look at if i, I think any of the disney's yeah um if you look at mary poppins it, it, some of the new stuff stands out kind yeah. of on its own yeah do you know what I mean? And you kind of remember it more yeah. than, say, well, I guess uh, because everyone auditions for everything. So if I can't love her, everybody knows that. But it's not right. Right. Well, in- <laughs> auditioning aside, exactly. you wouldn't go away being like, ah, yes, that's the song. Right. Whereas well, I think uh, Anything Can Happen yeah. or Practically Perfect yeah. are both songs that you would go away being like, oh, my God. That was iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I mean, like, and we'll talk about it later, but like Brimstone and Treacle, oh, mm. both the, the original and, and the reprise, like musical theater at its finest. Absolutely. Um, so, it, it's just stunning. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, Anything Can Happen was just, it was mind-blowing yeah. when I watched it in the theater. Because, uh, so if, you, if you've still not seen the musical um, or just listened to the cash recording, Anything Can Happen, I would say, is pretty much the, the, the pinnacle of yeah. the thing like that is the the peak yeah um the climax sorry that's the word i was looking for um of of the piece it it doesn't it weirdly doesn't hugely advance the plot no well and the thing that's missing i think from the recording is that like anything can happen in like the the published script takes place over like 25 pages uh um, yeah because we kind of like spiritually follow mr and mrs banks on their way back to the bank to like find out whether or not mr banks got fired or not and then they come back and then they have family time like it is kind yeah. of split up like this um and like that part progresses the plot and then Mary Poppins is just kind of like literally floating in the background. Literally it's Mary Poppins in space. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. And it is like, you're just, you you can't help but sit there and just be kind of, ah, just so moved. It's such a moving song. Absolutely. Even though, so even though the actual, I would say like content of the song doesn't drive the plot as much as say, practically perfect does yeah um it really sums up 
the whole idea. It's like Mary Poppins' lesson. Yes. You know what I mean, that's her, uh, like, final speech. Yeah. It's her, you know, jury speech in, in a court. Like, yeah. this idea that, like, if you're just open to things... Yeah. It can come. Well, and that's, um, that's such the joy, you know, I... I rewatched the movie and watching saving mr banks and i saw um mary poppins returns with my family was it last christmas mm-hmm. it came out um and like every time i reapproach the character of mary poppins like her motto her thesis in life that like life can be fun life can be like delightful and exciting but also you have to you know let it be that way um and not let life control you but like take control of your life so that it can be delightful and surprising mm. it's such it's such a beautiful moral oh it absolutely is it's why she's practically perfect you know it's fair yeah it really is um <laughs> and yeah like to, again to give Stales and drew their total credit um it, it happens to it happens a couple of times it happens and anything can happen mm-hmm. it happens in uh let's go fly a kite mm-hmm. but they bring kind of like you said like they bring back that disney choir sound yes that you know from cinderella mm-hmm. that you know from so white that when you hear it you just feel iconic yeah disney yeah um and they bring that back in their choral arrangements yeah. and it is stunning you know i mean it's stunning musical theater writing it is such an um, interesting thing because like it feels so cyclical. I would qualify a lot of like the Sherman Brothers initial music for this show and then just a lot of the Disney canon very much inspired by a musical theater sound. Yeah. Like just whatever that sound is. You know, it's one of the reasons why uh, the Disney renaissance of Little Mermaid and whatnot were so impactful because they started finally hiring well-known or, you know, up-and-coming Broadway composers and lyricists. Exactly. And now it seems to, like, come back full circle that, like, we recognize that as a Disney sound in a piece of musical theater when it mm-hmm. started life as a musical theater sound in a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. It's it, yeah. It's such an interesting. I don't know. I I have nothing clever to say about it. I just find it fascinating. <laughs> it is. It is really. And it, it, what is interesting is you're talking about the the composer side of it because in many ways, mm-hmm. Stales and Drew were a huge bloody risk. Yes. Yeah. Because their pedigree isn't great. Is small <laughs> and not very good. No. <laughs> so. Do you know any of their musicals? I pulled up their Wikipedia page because I was like, I must know something else. The one I know is Honk. Um, right. Okay. Of course. Which is good. Um, yeah. Is, you know, a, a show for children, I think. Um, it's very much. So Honk, Honk is basically like, uh, it's the story of the ugly duckling. Right. Um, mixed with a splash of Chicken Little in there. Yeah. Um, it, but it, it's not. In, me- in any way iconic no, Do you know what I mean? like, no there's like, no like oh honk that's yeah, the one pe- people know it because they did it in high school like yeah that's about um, it i'd say like notable ones of theirs just so is okay. all right yeah but it's so british yeah and not necessarily in a good way yeah. um but there's some like fun moments okay um betty blue eyes I can't say I've ever even heard of that. It's 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 worth a listen. It's about uh um like a prize winning pig at a fair. Okay. Um so it's like is it like Babe? It's like Babe the musical, but 
different? No, because it's not a sheep pig. It's just a pig pig. Okay, okay. (laughs) Um, But the music in that's quite good. Again, extremely British. Yeah. Um, Recently, they did Half a Sixpence. Which I have heard of, but I think only because it's come up on consideration for a bunch of high schools I've worked for. Right, yeah, because I think it's now been called Kips. Oh, they've changed the name? Okay. Yes, uh-huh. Um, so it it was a revival. Oh. So again, they didn't write it all, Got it. Uh, but okay. they repenned some stuff. It seems like they're very good at that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, they've written some stuff that's more... That that hasn't been well-received? Yes, a little bit hit or miss. Yeah. Um, like, and it's it's a shame because they can have some gems. So in uh, the recent... Uh, the recent Wind in the Willows, uh-huh. uh, which I think was just a couple of years ago, it it didn't do very well. The opening song in that is sensational. Okay, like so good, total different sound that I have not really heard much in musical theatre. It's it's very folk driven, uh-huh. um, but it almost feels a bit Pirates of the Caribbean as well at times. Huh. Like it's really really good. Um, that's the only good thing about that. Oh, no. <laughs> and it's just, I just find it a shame. Yeah. Um, but also just a bit surprising because... Because it's so successful in Mary Poppins. It's so, There's, they're so good in Mary Poppins. And I don't know whether they're just like, listen, we've done Mary Poppins. Let's just have some fun. Right. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. That's hugely insulting towards them. I understand. But, um, you know... There's some really like Soho Cinders. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of Soho Cinders? No, I have not. So, like Soho in New York, I imagine is quite something like Gay yes. Land. Uh, sure, yeah. Right in London, it's it's the Gay Quarter. Okay. Um, and so it's a gay Cinderella story. Okay. Right, but for example, one of the songs in it is "It's Hard to Tell the Gay Guys from the Straights These Days." Oh boy. <laughs> Yeah. Ooh. It's hard to tell the benders from the butch. Oh, it gets worse. I didn't yes, know it was going to get worse. Doesn't help that they're both homosexual, so I don't know where this is coming from. Oh, it doesn't feel tongue in cheek, though. I mean, the, you know, right. like a lot of like gay theater written right. by gays is like it's like we're just going to dive in and we're going to make it sound really offensive, but it's okay because it's coming from a place of parody and love. Exactly. This doesn't feel like that. It feels quite serious. Oh gosh. Uh, it's really, really bad. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's the thing that that kind of baffles me because, it, like, the, the stuff that they've written for Mary Poppins, mm-hmm. I think, is so bloody it's good. It's so good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know yeah. kind of what's happened since. It makes, but, you, it makes you wonder. But, you know, like, Sondheim wrote Anyone Can Whistle. Like, exactly, exactly. They've just written a few more. <laughs> That's all. Um, can we talk about my favourite song in Mary Poppins? Yes, I think I'm going to disappoint you when we talk about it, but let's go. That's absolutely fine. We're used to it. We've not had a moment like that in a while. So. Over Valentine! Go on! And. and tore his arm! A 
my favorite song from Harry Dolphins is Temper Temper. The only one that's been cut from touring versions and now the published version. Ugh, it's just... Uh, I, under- so, I understand why you like it. And did you... So did you... When you when it was I, on I tour, it. you saw Temper Temper? Okay. Yes, it's, and that is why. <laughs> yeah. It's been hard to pin down. I was trying to figure it out, and it's hard to say when this rewrite happened. Um, so... But so Temper Temper was is in yes. was in the original Broadway version. I saw it on Broadway. It's on the original cast recording. It, yeah, so it was in the original Broadway version for a little while. Yeah. Oh, did they change um, it? Yes, when it went to tour. Okay, but not in the Broadway version. Or did um, they update that when it started? Like this is the history I'm 90% that's hard to pull apart. Sure. Yeah, yeah, I'm ninety percent sure it just got changed in the tour and they kept it the same on the broadway that would be my gut but i actually don't have anything to back that up because it yep. seems I, I you know i don't think there are a lot of broadway shows that would undertake what is a pretty massive rewrite after so oh, i think they changed it on broadway that's fascinating i wonder yeah. like just as a you know vaguely musical theater historian i wonder how often that's happened um yes so for me the thing that i'm fascinated by is why it happened yeah so it doesn't take a genius to know that temper temper is better than what they replaced it with a song called playing the game Mm, um okay thankfully uh you can hear both of them yes uh in the original west end recording Mm -hmm. uh you will hear temper temper in the australian live recording yes you can hear playing the game which is Um, it's very clearly a because like when uh, name another uh, Australian cast recording of an already existing West End and Broadway musical. Um, like the I, Disney did this because it's in the published version, and so yeah. if you're you know doing you're a school, which this is a hugely popular school and Amdram production right now, you yeah. want a reference recording, and for a while one didn't exist. Exactly, exactly. Um, so yes, smart move, Diz. Surprising, um, <laughs> but yeah. So I love this song so much i was electrified when i heard it in the theater yes um like genuinely edge of my seat uh as soon as i got home because i bought the cast album at the theater like there's uh, that very rarely happens i think that's only ever happened twice for me wow okay yeah um and i bought because i was just so excited by it yeah um and i went straight home and i just listened to that like i I burned it out i don't know i actually don't know what it is about it yeah i think it's it could just simply be the um uh the the chorus like the chorus writing is stunning it's It's spooky yeah it's eerie and it it's one of those things listening to it again transported me right back to the theater Mm -hmm. and i can still to this day i mean it's been 10 years but i can still to this day picture yeah what it looked like yeah well, the whole it, stage and it is it. a it is a spectacle you know it is it is equally as like magical and baffling as spoonful of sugar and all the other like magic and illusionary stuff they do throughout the show yeah 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 totally but in a completely different mood yes in a very like, everything a and scary and dark kind of mood yeah and so this is the song like we talked about earlier this is the song that gives mary poppins her claws yes because she's basically doing this she is the one that that conjures the toys up well to become... and so here's the thing and i do agree with you that temper temper is a better song than what's the new one called playing, playing the, game. the game um 
I do think taken individually, Temper Temper is a better song. I think mm-hmm. one of the difficulties with it is it is less clear that this is Mary Poppins doing this thing. Because in Temper Temper, if I recall correctly, it's her mm-hmm. night off and she like, you know, snaps her fingers or whatnot and then leaves. In playing the game, she is present the entire time. And mm-hmm. it is clear that she is doing this. The other thing that playing the game does from like a, a plot narrative standpoint is mm-hmm. Temper Temper has this sense that like these kids made a kid mistake. They ripped their toy right Mm -hmm. and lost their temper and that was about it and then this terrible terrible thing happens to them for a long time Mm -hmm. this scary song happens to them for a couple minutes in playing the game you get to see a lot more of the precociousness of jane and michael you get to see them constantly be like no you're wrong and i'm a kid and and blah which then motivates mary poppins to leave Right. And like up in the air, whether she decides to leave or the wind changes or whatnot. Mm -hmm. But that because we need her to leave for intermission to be like a baffling. Oh, what's going to happen next sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so like I see I see why they made the change. I wish playing the game was better (laughs) or like there was a way to make temper temper suit their needs better. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. So. That isn't why they changed it. Why did they change it? Because it was too scary. That's fair. I don't think that's fair. <laughs> I don't think that's fair in the slightest. Right. And this is this is what kind of pisses me off about it. Because, because um, playing the game isn't as good. Mm-hmm. This is what upsets me. Because it makes the musical a little bit worse. Yeah, that's fair. Do you know what I mean? Um, so... Basically, in America, it got a huge. Well, not me. I don't. I don't really know because I wasn't at, like on the Rialto when it was happening in the press. But there was mm-hmm. a huge press buzz mm-hmm. around people being scared. Yeah, about Mary Poppins. That's fair. Uh, I mean, it's the, it's scary. <laughs> it absolutely is. Yeah, but to the point where you would then have to change your material. Yeah. to make something less scary, like. The thing is, it there's so much scary stuff. Like, yeah. There's so much scary stuff. I've never, ever heard of someone changing the material because some children got scared. Now, also, Styles and Drew have both said people weren't that scared. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, they were like, the children were actually wrapped by it because it is, it's such a spectacle. Um, and in the same way that, uh, you know... You, you, children experience these scary things in all of their lives. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, they in fact say uh, a quote from them. They said, "Terror is a part of life. Life isn't just all a spoonful of sugar." In all of children's literature, from the Grimm brothers onwards, it's part of it. Think about the evil queen in Snow White mm-hmm. when she turns into the witch at the window. Yeah. Like that's one of the scariest moments in film. Yeah. I. Right. I, yes. And I do think, and you've written it here, so I know you know, but this is the difference between American children and British children, and American literate, American children's literature and British children's literature. I'm putting my hand up. Okay, why? This is the difference between American parents and British parents. But it's, it's a cultural thing, right? Doctor Who is the children's show in the UK, right? Doctor Who is a children's show. And certainly everyone yeah, watches uh-huh. it. And like, Doctor Who, the dialects are going to kill you, right? 
they're just, they're gonna straight up kill you right and it's spooky and scary and you hide behind the couch and that's how you learn your thing children's shows in america are sesame street and barney right big bird's not gonna kill you um it's a yeah but but i i don't think there's nothing in the american literature that isn't a bit chilling for kids like because think of every single disney oh, movie like they all have that sure and there's you know like goosebumps the hugely popular children's book series like certainly these things exist and there are plenty of like fully scary disney movies right but, yeah but mary poppins wasn't one of them right the movie I, and I, so I mean, although admittedly that bit with the dog when they're running away from the bank that is actually that, really that scary. is actually really and like the old lady's <laughs> like i can help you children exactly yeah, that moment is legitimately that's scary. but that's as scary as it gets right and yeah. so like i don't disagree with you i see that disney here made a corporate decision Right, Disney here made a money-making decision. They, Absolutely, they cannot have screaming children leaving the show during the middle of Act One. That that that's not a good look. Um, I don't think that really happened. That's the thing. I think it just blew up in the press. Yeah, it was a press-saving decision, and I just think that's you know, as as an artist, you would a hundred percent agree with this. Any peer pressure coming in to affect my work, yeah is something I, do, you know, I mean, that, I don't want to happen when that's it's fair, the but, money thing. But we're artists and not corporations. Like, exactly. I think that's I just, the difference. I just find it so frustrating because it, it, it's, it's such a good song. Like, that's the thing is, it's not like, oh, okay, it was fine and this one's fine too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the things that baffle me, right, there's, there's two main things that baffle mm-hmm. me about this whole thing. One of them is uh, Matilda. Yes. Right? Matilda... It's really scary. Yeah. The Trunchbull is a scary character. Yeah. And they intentionally make her scary. Right. Um, it, it, and the same kind of feeling yeah. that Mary Poppins had with Temper Temper, they've not touched that. That's been absolutely fine because there's been nothing in the press but I, that's been like... But I think like the reason the press didn't react to that is because Trunchbull's scary in the movie, right? Mary Poppins is never scary in the movie. Ever. At all. Which is a problem, right? It's not the character. But that's what people expect. They're going to see the Disney version of Mary Poppins on stage. They expect that. And they expect that it's going to be entirely appropriate, and so they're going to bring their six-year-old. And then their six-year-old's going to get creeped out by a scary clown and start crying in a Broadway theater, which is terrible. And it doesn't need to happen a lot, but it needs to happen once or twice. And then the press starts talking about it, and then it doesn't matter if it's happening a lot, because the press is talking about it. I don't think it's a good thing, but I see no, how it's the thing. Happen. I just think it's a pile of bullcrap. Like because, it, yeah. The, my other reason, the other thing that baffles me is that I actually think Brimstone and Treacle and Miss Andrews is a lot scarier. I mean, for you, a grown adult, I agree. But the possibility that my toys are going to come to life and put me on trial as a as a six year old. As opposed to Mary Poppins is going to save me from this evil nanny, and that's going to be a little scary, right? But Mary Poppins is away at the start when you meet her. Yeah. You know what I mean, and she, she's very much a Disney villain. Yeah. Like, she, she has that feeling. Sure. But, though, you know, they're people. It's not like all your, like, the, the existential threat of your toys coming to life as a kid, that's, yeah, that's scary. I don't, like, I just think kids' imaginations are better than that. Yeah. And to me, it just, it just cries of, like, PC bullshit. (laughs) Like, it really, it, it really 
pisses me off. It yeah. really does because it's it's such a good song, and for it now just to not exist. Yeah, I think that part's a shame. I I That's wish crap. I wish there was a way, and I wonder if they overreacted. Um, like. I think so, because people miss it now. People miss that song. Yeah. I wonder if we will see, and it's certainly, let's see, because I, I did the show, Don't Tell MTI, but I stole a script. Um, so this is from 2012. I wonder if we'll see an, like Our Little World style update where they give you the choice between the two. I bet you we won't, just because that doesn't seem like a very Disney thing. Um, yeah. But, you know, if they were going to do it anywhere, this would be the place. I know. Well, what I'm praying for is that when we get the revival, which we'll talk about in a wee bit, um, I hope it comes back. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm, I'm saying a prayer every night. Yeah. Uh, well, but right, we talked. We talked about it for a little bit. Miss Andrew, she's my, she's my favorite. Well, let's hear all about her. Brimstone and tree, just a spoonful of sugar. Brimstone and tree, just a spoonful of sugar. Brimstone and tree, just a spoonful of sugar. your favorite tea with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky no no nothing like that it's just these cash prizes add up quick so i suggest you sit back keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com are you feeling lucky no purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <sighs> because she is the perfect epitome of a, like, there are a couple of these, like, characters and things written for movie to musical adaptations. Movies are often, pres- I've, we've talked about this, I'm sure, but the three-act structure into the two-act structure. Mm-hmm. Like, American movies are written in three acts and American musicals are written in two acts and it's hard to kind of shove those together. And so you need some drama to get you through the beginning of Act 2 that is feels important but can also go away by the second half of Act 2 so you can go back to whatever the main drama was. And mm. Miss Andrew is the perfect solution um, because she doesn't feel superfluous, right? We, mm-hmm. w- it allows us to start Act 2 the exact same way we start Act 1. 
There's, the nanny has left and the kids are in disarray and the house is in disarray. But the change that has happened is that this time, Mrs. Banks, who we haven't even talked about, but has a wonderful character arc through this one that I adore so much more than her yeah. in the movie. Don't, like, don't get me wrong. I, as a kid, marched around to Sister Suffragette all the time oh, and absolutely, absolutely adore it. But, like, a strong character she is not. Um, yes. Not nearly as much as she is in, in the play with all the uh-huh. being Mrs. Banks stuff. And so she's finally found the one nanny who must be appropriate, Mr. Banks' old nanny, Miss Andrew, who turns out to be the Holy Terror. Um, yeah. which, and so suddenly like we've expanded on Mrs. Banks's character. We've expanded on Mr. Banks's character and we found the drama we need to get us through the act two slump. Absolutely. And you don't see it coming. No, because that's it's, what's so great. About it's it. not in the movie. It's not like, this is the surprise and delight that like, exactly. Because the only evidence that you have for her as a character is in the first act, Mr. Banks talking about her caliber and her being this incredible paragon of nannying yes um but then you also kind of think like well who was it that nannied you to make you right this? which then they they reference later during the mary poppins and miss andrew duel um exactly and, like, and i do love like it's a sign of a good script like the the um I don't know, the conciseness or the compactness of a book, like of Uh the book of a script, knowing that Mr. Banks references Miss Andrew at the beginning, right, then absolutely 100% feels like a throwaway, insignificant filler line. Exactly. And you get plenty of those in movies because movies are often a little more dialogue heavy, um, especially like movie musicals specifically. And so there has to be other stuff that like doesn't come back. You get it much less in musicals. And generally speaking, you don't have a lot of dialogue to like if you just measure how much time speaking time you have, you don't have a lot to deal with. So everything has to be important. Yeah. And this book is compact in the best ways. Yep. So Uh, right. But so then you have my favorite number, the the brimstone and treacle it's called brimstone and treacle revisited um yes. <laughs> in the published version which i just adore but you get this like you know mary poppins and the opposite of mary poppins having a magic duel which, it's literally it's literally mrs weasley i know and, <laughs> it's so uh uh bellatrix, bellatrix lestrange um yeah. and like it is such you know, and I think this is why I, I said earlier why I think this reads as less scary to kids because the scariest part is when the kids are coming back to, and you know it's either Jane or Michael says perhaps she's killed everyone mm-hmm. um, and like they're scared about it but Mary Poppins is there so everything has to be all right because yes. she's Mary Poppins and she's in like let's make this better mode not I'm yes. going to terrorize you with your toys mode <laughs> um but it is but she's oh it's so good I'm just gonna. <laughs> Loved every time so much. Sorry, <laughs> but like the the um uh the writing of this, like um what is it, Miss Miss Andrew? Miss Handel charges blow up in your face. It's so good. It's Absolute such genius. a good line. Um, and like it's this genius. show is filled with lyrical ingenuity like that. But that yep. one, and it like not only is it clever wordplay, it's exactly the clever wordplay that like Mary Poppins would delight in. Exactly. Because, like, how hard is it to write for Mary Poppins? I know. Like, she is she is wit personified. Yeah. I mean, she will always have something to say to you. She's practically perfect. Like... Exactly. It's, it's um, on the tin. And, yeah, they completely 
be completely on it. And like Miss Andrews, she does give her a run for her money, absolutely. But it, it, what it what it does is it just brings out this incredible like sassy side to oh, Mary Poppins. Yeah, and it's just amazing. It's so good. And like <laughs> the other thing is, you know, in the I don't know what they did on tour, but does Mary Poppins imprison Miss Andrews in a life-size canary case and then she, she descends, and descends into the floor? Like, Yes, yeah, she goes to hell. <laughs> Mary Poppins kills Miss Andrew. Well, she does she does something. She does she does something not good. And the audience no. ap- applauds like Absolutely. She's evil personified. <laughs> right, she deserves it. Also, Mary Poppins is scary. Um yeah, like, like that's that's it. Claws Poppins. Yeah, like. that's true. I do like one of the nice things is well, I kind of go back and forth on this because mm-hmm. I do think one of the delightful things about Mary Poppins is like this stuff just happens, right? She's not magic. This stuff just happens, you know. Well, here well, you go. How, yeah, but suddenly in like I think if there is a con to brimstone and treacle is that you know they're like mary poppins is like brandishing a spoon like it's a wand um Uh you know this is like she can do magic and we see her do magic Uh Uh, and it's that's a bit of a shame because that it's not ambiguous that it's not ambiguous that like this just kind of like strange things keep happening they say this about mary like mr banks has that line that Miss uh-huh. poppins showed up and suddenly things started happening not that she did them and but then i don't know it's quite interesting because it like you kind of with with miss andrew like you don't really know what happens to her. Right. Well, also, Miss Andrew doesn't, is not d- described to us as a magical person at all, right? No, not at all. She's just a, 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 a human. She doesn't fly here on an umbrella. She, you yeah. know, doesn't change the flavor of the medicine she gives at will. Um, exactly. You know, so like that, that, if there's one hole in this show, that's it to me. Is but I don't, I don't know. I think you could still interpret it in the... Um, ambiguous mm-hmm. because they don't it's not like mrs banks comes in and is like oh my god you just sent her to hell that's fair oh my god. do you know what i mean yeah so it's all we have to go on are jane and michael's view right. and i do like that's you know going back to temper temper like that is i think one of the readings of the show is that whenever it's just mary poppins and the kids mm-hmm. it's just that mary poppins is the best nanny with the best imagination so she can make the kids believe these things are happening exactly exactly well that's again like with sorry to bring up temper temper the last time i promise um but like that is what one of my favorite bits about temper temper it's not actually in this the cast recording but as when she comes in right at the end and the lights come up and everything's back to normal she just mm-hmm. says temper temper right and you're just like oh you're the best right Do you know what i mean like, and you're, you're like, like was was that real or was that mary poppins just being like oh yeah. aren't you scared of your toy Ooh, right? exactly and like this you know for all we know beyond jane and michael's interpretation this was just mary poppins and miss andrews having a heated argument and miss andrews leaving Uh, but you know yeah or mary poppins you know like kicking her out the door mate something like that who knows right um i wish that was telegraphed like two percent more right you know that like that then then this would be a perfect show for me that's what i want fair enough i just think mary poppins can do no wrong but that's it. She's practically perfect. I mean, that's fair. Um, <laughs> Even she has one ounce of modesty. 
Yeah. What do you think it is, though? Uh, <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, the ounce of modesty is just that she describes herself as practically perfect. Exactly. And she'll never tell you. You'll never know what it is. You'll never know. Exactly. Um, no, it's it's a great... It's a it's a completely great section. And yeah. you're right. It, it, there's, there's kind of nothing else in the movie that they could have pulled from. Right. You know? Um... And it ties up the the kind of I don't know the kind of character arc of Mr. Banks yeah. nicely yeah. just before he goes into like the final section at the bank. Right. When it helps so much, like you get this in the movie to an extent, and so I don't think it's entirely flawed, but like mm-hmm. Mr. Banks is struggling as a father at the beginning of the movie, right? He has yes. the, the whole um what what becomes precision and order in the musical version, but like he, you know, at six oh three and the heirs to my dominion, like that whole part, like I run my house like this, but really he doesn't yes. run his house at all. And so we see him grow from being an absent father to being a present father throughout the movie. But exactly. you don't get his origin story. He's just kind of a dick um, at yeah. the beginning, and then learns to not be a dick. And it is really redeeming that we get to learn why he is the way he is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that well, I was going to say that that way of uh, parenting, yeah, isn't often the best. Yeah, well, and that you know yeah. that is why, like, I think this book as a cultural revolution is is calling that out in the same way you know Roald Dahl in all of his books talks about what makes good and bad parenting to mention Matilda but also you know Willy Wonka and really all of his books Um, yeah yeah, completely like to this is a revolution in parenting I do think um, completely that Peel Travers is is talking about and writing about and moralizing um, you know in this kind of lexicon of didactic children's literature Speaking of the parents, let's talk a little bit about them. Let's do it. George, dear, I know it hurts your pride, dear. But you can't just run and hide, dear. Why can't you see that I'm here? And I am on your side. Whenever you spoke of Miss Andrew, you showered the woman with praise. But now that I've met dear Miss Andrew, there are one or two things I'd rephrase. To think you were raised by that monster and carried that burden through life. If only you had seen that you could share it with your wife. Being Mrs. Banks, easy to forget the way I felt that summer's day the day that we first met being Mrs. Banks being kissed by you a man of dreams who made me feel that wishes could come true and now although you're lost it's time
because yeah I would say of all of the characters from film to mm-hmm. musical mm-hmm. the parents are the most different yes I would say even Mrs. Banks has perhaps the biggest rewrite oh completely in the entire show she is not a suffragette anymore um, no she is an actress who gave up her life on the stage to be a parent basically basically yeah and is kind of struggling to find her way yeah um, in the world and like what you know speaking of styles and drew's cleverness but the the a song titled being mrs banks already has so much gravitas to it absolutely and it's because you know I think because you know the film and because you know Mr. Banks. Right. Right. Yeah. To hear being Mrs. Banks. Right. You know exactly what that means. Yeah. Well, and it is such a 180, like, in rewatching the movie, the first, like, song song we get, um, Uh because Bert sings at the beginning, but it's uh, diegetic, um, or justifiably diegetic, right? He's it's the one very band narrator the out with the yeah, show, exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's to it's to introduce him, and he is like he turns to the camera and is like, "Oh, you want to find Cherry Tree Lane? It's this way." Um, yeah. So, like the first like non diegetic person to song musical number we get in the film is Sister Suffragette, yeah. um, which is a you know a very comedic ditty at the moment. Um, Absolutely, and like there is like. Suffragette Mrs. Banks is such a funny character, and she has some line about, like, oh, do do hide the banners, you know, how much they upset the master? Because, of course, Mr. Banks is probably absolutely upset about the trouble his wife is getting into, trying to fight for rights for women or whatever. Well, that's um, it. He's probably completely against votes for women. Right. And, and Winifred is, you know, humbly doting and being like, oh, yes, dear, of course. And then, you know, it has her own thing. And, like, isn't... Is is by no means you know stupid or absent-minded, but still fits into this kind of uh, stereotypically negatively viewed upon idea of a wife. Uh huh. You know her her charges the children and that house things, and she's the reason she's not good at it is because she's also out protesting. Um, but mm-hmm. like you know, Katie Nana's like trying to get her attention at the beginning, and she can't won't have any of it. She's just marching <laughs> around, and then, Mrs. Banks. Right? Um, like, not, you know, clearly they both have their struggles as a parent. And then yeah. to, to totally rewrite that character and just make her, you know, someone who gave up her dream to deal with her kids and is really struggling with it mm-hmm. is such a strong choice. Um, it really is. And I think it's a risky choice. Yeah. Because I think it's a big risk. For like even for the smallest reason that Sister Suffragette is a really fun song that is not in the stage musical. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um Yeah, it's I just think it's 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 really brave because you didn't need to do anything with Mrs. Banks. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you just did a copy paste and just kept it about the change in Mr. Banks. Right. Um it the musical would have worked absolutely fine. Yeah. Uh but they really would have missed a trick. Yeah. We spoke about it recently, maybe in Ragtime with Mother. Okay. About turn of the century women. It's weird. Why are we doing all these turn of the century pieces? It's brilliant. It's a good, um, I do, I do think there's something to us doing all these turn of the century pieces that it is like, yeah. it's just far enough back in time that like we can, uh, that musical theater and adaptations can approach it with distance mm-hmm. without calling out yes. like historical inaccuracies. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing is like, I, one of the things that I like about 
writing fiction at that time. Mm-hmm. Cause I think I said this, like the musical that, that I've written um, looks at women at that time and how they are oppressed, but how they deal with that when they don't agree with it. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think that's, that's the story you would want to explore right. in our 21st century setting. Um, so I think it's so great that mm-hmm. Styles and Drew have picked up, and Julian Fellows obviously as well, um, have kind of picked up on this. Uh, in fact, Julian Fellows, we should mention him. So he wrote the yeah. book. Yeah. Um, everyone will know him from Downton Abbey. Mm-hmm. He wrote Downton Abbey. Yeah. Um, he is he is the man in the know for this time. Right. He he'd like he's got it down. <laughs> exactly. Like there is no one better to write this and I think it's great that he has given us this kind of glimpse into yeah. well what what would you think because you know in 60s America uh-huh. they probably wouldn't really care about what Glennis Jones had to think. Yeah, no, that's fair. You know, we're we're still in the time in 60s America, right? That's, you know, the the housewife is so excited that she got her new oven, right? Exactly. You know, this is the 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 Pleasantville pre-color time. Um completely. And so for Disney to come out with this movie in the 60s, no one's going to be like, "Oh, what a poor representation of how would you you know to call her a suffragette but then have her act like that is so insulting yeah. we might say yeah. that now and it's true now but in the 60s was not the contemporary opinion of that sort of thing exactly but people exactly. would have said that about the musical if they had done all these other changes to it but kept this the same yes uh, she would have just been pithy but now she's got a lot of a lot of depth and a lot of shade to her yeah um and and a, a nice conflict i I don't know if she gets the best um, conclusion. I think it would be great if she had more of a a button like Mr. Banks does. She does. I mean, I don't know. It's it's a scene that's hard to remember, but it is when Mr. Banks goes back to the bank and mm-hmm. during um, Anything Can Happen, she has her line that goes, I wonder, and then runs out and chases him to the bank. Yes. And Mr. Banks arrives and discovers, like, he hadn't actually made a mistake. This has been quite a boon for the bank. And then Mrs. Banks runs in with a very comedic line that says, like, it wasn't his fault. It was Miss Andrew. And uh, that lead banker's like, oh, the holy terror, and hides under his desk, which is very funny. Uh But after that, they say they want to give Mr. Banks a raise. And the bank director says, like, double your salary. And Mrs. Banks goes, hmm. And then he goes, triple your salary. And she goes, and then he goes, quadruple your salary. So she does get, and it is is very tiny, but important. Uh It is good that she has that moment of like, while her running back to the bank to try and save her husband was, you know, amicable or like a a great thing and didn't come of anything. She did have some effect in the future, some positive effect for standing up for her husband. Um, and they have this exchange about Mr. Banks saying, like, if you wanted to go back to the stage, I absolutely understand it. We'd figure it out. And she says something like, I think I know exactly where I need to be um, with the children. Which, you know, I think there's arguments to be made on both sides as to whether that's a, a pro or anti But no, that's because that's but, fine, because it's a choice that she's being allowed to make. Yes. And then she makes that choice. And like that, Completely. you know, it, like we're already a hundred times stronger than she ever was in the movie. Um, yeah, that's brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah, I completely so forgot that. Um, um, it is one of the things like that makes this such a uh, an appealing high school show is the number of strong female characters in it. Um, yeah, completely, completely. Um, yeah, Mrs. Corey. Yeah, 
Mrs. Corey. She's fab. Yeah. I mean, like... Small business owner. <laughs> this is a, a uh, female-heavy show, and every single one, even Miss Andrew, who, you know, is the villain, she's the snidely whiplash of a villain, right? Yeah, um, completely. Fun, fun role to play. You know, great to give someone who can sing and, like, just needs, a you know, the junior in your... Uh, high school who like isn't ready for a full lead role but wants like it's this i don't know if, how much disney did it on purpose i always have that nagging bit in the back of my mind but uh-huh. like, this show might as well have been written for high schools to do yeah completely it's it is it's just such a, a beautiful show and it's one of those it's quite good for parents because it's not like having to sit through uh yeah you know a really bad production of like maybe like Bye Bye Birdie or something like that. Right. Uh, they love these songs and kind of any incarnation of these songs. Yeah. Are going to be good. Are going to be good. And they're like, there are some challenging parts to sing, but for the most part, it's a really singable show too. Um, Definitely. Like, I think the thing that stands the most in the way of high schools doing the show is the implied uh, technicality of it between the mm-hmm. magic and the illusions and the flying and the set. Yes. Um, that is intimidating to a high school. Um, but, you know, high schools do more complex shows nowadays too. Absolutely, they've got some magic in them as well. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, okay. Let's talk about how Mary Poppins exists today. This is getting revived. It is indeed. It is indeed. It's closed in the States now. Yes. Um, and it closed in the UK to make way for Aladdin. <sighs> um, but that's fine because it's coming back. Yeah. Right. Disney's doing um, this now. Like uh, Beauty and the Beast is due for a revival on Broadway soon. Um, oh. Which is fascinating. Um, is that penned? Is that who? Is that penned? As in like, is that coming or is it just due? Uh, I think it's going to happen. Um, Disney Theatrical Productions will revisit the show that kicked off Disney's reign on Broadway 25 years ago. There you go. So, you know, sounds like it's... So wait, do this year? Uh, I guess. Are they going to try and do it this year? There's there's certainly going to be plenty of vacant theaters. You're um, damn right. <laughs> but it does, it does make you wonder, like, and as I'm sure you do about this Mary Poppins revival, like, Disney's never really revived something before. <laughs> 
Well, this is it, and this is what I'm quite intrigued by, because is there going to be any change? Right, and there is, there's kind of, nowadays at least, that expectation with a revival that uh-huh. something's different, um, which I think is artificial, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. There have been plenty of successful revivals that are exactly the same as yeah. the original. Um but a lot nowadays, whether it's adding one or two songs or like completely rethinking the production design, yeah, tries to do something different, and so that yeah. will be something to watch with this West End revival. Like, what, what, what will it be like? Yeah, I think it will be the exact same. <laughs> I think that's a fair bet too, because it's good, right? That's the that is the thing. I I sat and thought about it, and I was like, what would I change? Yeah. And I couldn't come up with a sausage. Yeah. Like, I absolutely could. Maybe the costumes. Yeah, maybe the costumes. Some of the but costumes. Like, even some but, of the really iconic, like, man, the technicality of this show, beyond just the illusions, mm-hmm. which are delightful from, you know, like pulling the lamps out of the bag and like the, mm-hmm. the cake that comes back to life and the table restoring itself and spoonful of sugar, not to mention the flying, which like, yeah. ooh, especially at the end of act one, um, you know, Julie Taymor, eat your heart out. Well, but like beyond that, and like my, I remember specifically this moment with my mom. One of one of my uh, 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 closet talents and infatuations that I don't talk about a lot is um, magic, um, like right. magic, oh, that's magic nice. tricks and illusions, and uh-huh. especially like stage illusions. Less doing them, but more just like you know, I'm I'm a technician, and so these are who's Jonathan Creek. Who's Jonathan Creek? Oh my god! Oh no! You'll love Jonathan oh, Creek. Oh no! I'm scared that like Jonathan Creek is like weekend. a mixture of what you've just described and Murder She Wrote. Oh god! This sounds uh, like a terrible, wonderful thing. It All is right. wonderful. All right, I'll put this on my list. Um, but but yeah, so you're Jonathan Creek, okay. and like one of the things I think about all the time in like the productions I design, like we did um, Grapes of Wrath maybe a couple years ago. Uh-huh. Um, like, <laughs> yeah, no, high school. Yeah, high school. Good, good show. We did a good job, but like, it's sad. Um, yeah, and like, there's a part in Grapes of Wrath. Spoiler alert: Grandpa dies, maybe like a hundred miles outside of where they're traveling to. Um, and like, the actor is in the back of the truck, and you have to take out the wrapped up, not actor body to bury, right? And mm-hmm. that's an illusion. You have to get rid of the actor, right? It's not a magic trick. No one's going to be like, how did he... Because, like, you're just supporting... And so I find this stuff fascinating and have for a long, long time. Mary Poppins flying at the end of Act One. Yeah. you it. She's just flying. It is one of the best executed flying rigs ever. 100%. Yeah. I sobbed. Like, I openly sobbed just... Because she did it. It is, <laughs> it is pure magic. And like, I remember, so my mother knows this of me that I adore magic and these sorts of things. Uh-huh. And often we'll go see magic shows and afterwards she'll be like, how'd they do that? And be like, well, I don't quite know, but maybe kind of like this. Uh-huh. Um, and she looked at me and she was like, how'd they do that? And I was like, God, I don't know. I just don't know. And yeah. certainly I know now and it's great. Um, yeah. But then like, the compounding of that. So like Mary flies mm, three or four times in the show, depending upon how you count it at the end of act one near the beginning of act two, when she comes back. Yeah. And then at the, at the very end of the show, when she mirrors her end of act one flying, but Mm -hmm. did on tour, did she fly up over the house? Yeah. Which is just, it is so 
such a wonderful end to this show. And exactly. like, why would you change any of that? Completely. Like, if it works. Yeah. It what, totally works. What are you going to like do? That, yeah, I feel like because a lot of the the practical illusion work that they did mm-hmm. wasn't relying on projection design yeah. and wasn't relying on these like things that can come out of date really quickly. Right. It was old techniques yeah. done very it's well. Good old fashioned sleight of hand every time. Completely. And that, that is the thing that stands the yeah. test of time. That's timeless. Um, like unless yeah. they're going to do some like weird, totally cut down, like there's a trunk in the middle of the stage and we're and. Bert comes out and opens yeah. the book of Mary Poppins and starts reading it too. But like that just seems so artificial at that point. It's, and all I think I would do is I'm like, I want the original. No, I just <laughs> want to watch the original back. one. Because um, I, I just don't think there's a way that they could improve on that styling. Yeah. Right? And that design. Yeah. So they would need to go yeah. left field. Yeah. But and it, then how could they top, you know what I mean? Right. But it does, you know, it, 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 it makes for a very... I think we're reaching an interesting point then in what will become the history of musical theater where Mm. like the theory is if your show is good and your show is entertaining and can draw an audience, it will just stay open. Mm -hmm. And if it closes, it means you've done the calculus and you're not selling enough tickets anymore, you know, in four months to be breaking even or making money. And so Mm -hmm. you have to close. Otherwise you'll lose money. And so then the, question and then you like you've reached that point right then it's done you're not going to be able to sell anymore because whatever you know however the winds have changed they they aren't blowing the right way anymore yeah and if you're going to revive it you're going to do something new to draw the audience back or to make it different or to draw a different audience whether you know you're going full-on oklahoma and redoing the entire thing to you're doing a hello dolly and it's mostly the same but this time it's bet midler like you know, I guess Hello Dolly would be an interesting one because they revived that a bunch of times with Carol Channing. Mm-hmm. And like, this is reviving it again with Carol Channing, right? This is like, hey, it's the same thing. Come back. Come watch it again. Uh huh. And I, I will. Yeah. Like, I'm so excited to see it again. Yeah. It is. I, I wonder about revivals like this. And like, I don't know. I'm not as well versed on the rules for the Olivier's. Um, but like, if they brought this revival similarly back to Broadway, uh-huh. and there's the Tony rule about like substantially reproducing previously created things, and if it is yep. exactly the same, then it's just not eligible for anything except best revival. Um, which uh, it would it would still be eligible for the actor awards, but yeah, not oh, the I guess creative that's fair. awards. I guess that's yeah. fair, unless they bring back the same actors, which. Um, um, they, it's only if you the only won. one that's coming back is ZZ, okay, who did it on the recent tour, okay, uh, um, which makes sense. Um, but you know that's an interesting, another interesting um, tactical move or lack yeah. thereof, um, because you know half half of it being new is you get exposure in these kind of awards shows and being in the current season, and you want those uh-huh. like really really quick sales um, to happen right there. And if you don't change yeah. things, you forego a, some of that maybe. Yeah, no, I t- I totally know what you mean. Um, I don't know. I just think it makes sense for it to be in the West End. It's so London. Yeah. Uh, it just you know you leave the theater and you go you're still in the world yeah. of the theater. Yeah. You know it's that kind of vibe. Yeah. Um, when it it's just, such and like 
you know, this is the thing Disney has capitalized on forever. And the trick that I think Walt Disney figured out is the idea of the family piece of entertainment. Um, yeah. Like there wasn't family entertainment before Walt Disney in any kind of big way. Um, True. There was entertainment for kids and entertainment for adults. And yeah. they, they were separate. Um, and like to sit something that kids and adults can enjoy is a, a big moneymaker and you know, let you tell a different kind of story and you can picture the, you know, the British family, the, the prototypical contemporary Winifred and George taking their kids to the show and then like going out for ice cream after under the street lamps and walking home. And yeah, like that, that's the dream. It totally fits. It totally fits. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so like, I can't wait to go see it. It's opening in October. Um, which is around the same time as Ghost Quartet, so I'm just going to do a big, uh, a big marathon. It's a perfect, perfect time to be Jimmy in the West End. It absolutely is. Um, I just want to give a shout out though to uh, the person who's playing Bert. Yeah, because have you come across him, Charlie Stemp? He's the new one. I've not. He is the Bert. So is where we talked about um, half a sixpence. Okay. So he uh, was basically. Like, I don't even know how to describe it. Like, you know, I see when we did Singing in the Rain, and I was like, oh, we just don't have a Donald O'Connor anymore. Mm, okay. He's, bo- he's reborn yeah. <laughs> in Charlie Step. Like, he's extraordinarily brilliant. Yeah. Oh. Yes. And he is. He's like classic. Yeah. Like um, old timey music so, theater. Yeah. Uh, so he came. Into half a sixpence straight out of theatre school. Okay. Um, and uh, did that for the full run, I think. Um, and just got such critical acclaim. Annoyingly, he was beat out on the Olivier because Andy Carl had just done Groundhog Day. Ah, okay. Frustrating. Um, but uh, this is when it's weird we're talking about Olivier. It's like, I already want to give him it. <laughs> and he hasn't even done it for yet. For because he's not done it yet. <laughs> he's such an incredible tapper. Um, yeah, he's he's really great. He is he is one of the people at the moment where I'm like, oh, you're going to be good. He um, he transferred uh, into Dolly oh, okay. uh, when I think it was Bernie. Okay. Here are, who was playing. Okay. Not on tour. And but he played Barnaby. Original. That sounds like a great role. Exactly. And he is like that is him like that's it's just he is perfect Mm -hmm. for that um and because bert is very much one of those characters right yeah happy it's a happy tap dancer uh, exactly yeah like the casting is extraordinary so i'm so excited uh for him you're excited to watch him tap dance around the proscenium i am that is a cool bit (laughs) it's such a cool uh so unexpected and kind of like silly yeah it takes so long but it's fine and it's it's just you're just like absolutely Bert. it's cool it's a spectacle i mean like that's the problem with step in time is you're like you know where's it gonna go where's it gonna go and in the movie they end up going down the chimney into the house and also admiral right. Boom, my i think one of the most disappointing cuts from the movie um, <laughs> I know. S- starts launching all the fireworks at him um but you know good for him i'm excited to yeah, see he's... how successful he is like I don't even feel like I need to see his one to watch. I think all eyes are on him. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to see. Like I, I'm surprised that 
he's not been offered a Broadway role yet. Mm-hmm. I guess just the role isn't there. Yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, we're once once August comes, like this. You know, I'll say it now, and I'm sure we'll talk about it in a couple months. Mm. But this upcoming season. Right now, it's going to be... I mean, I think I might try and put something on. I know. Like, like, do you want to go open something? (laughs) Every theater is going to be open, practically. I saw some count. It's like 12 or 13 theaters are opening up this season. Yeah. Um, And it just started. Like, Moulin Rouge has opened, and that's it. Um, Yep. And there's not much in the pipeline. There's not much in the pipeline. Not a lot has been announced. Nope. It's it's going to... Like, it's either going to be a really anemic season, or we're going to see a lot of stuff happen real, real fast. Well, that's it. Like, you know I mean, is Octet going to come up? Like, I know. What, or is like something moving from off Broadway? Um, yeah, you know, but a even cheeky, like speedy revival. Or something. Yeah, who knows? It's <laughs> interesting times. It is. It's really weird. It's yeah. really really weird. But I think yeah, Jim and Tomic the musical is something we should. Yeah, consider. it'll be it'll be great. Can you do? You ready for eight shows a week of this? Only yeah, only I if am. we can sit the whole time. And if I don't have to yeah, wear but pants. It's, it's, it'll be like um, like a musical version of My Dinner with Andre. Mm. I wonder what? if anyone's ever tried that. <laughs> what? Should do, we do that? Should we do a musical version? I think that would... Uh, I just think it'd be boring. I think that could, that could be interesting. <laughs> That's like some niche, like, above a pub theatre... Fringe, 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 style. fringe, fringe, super fringe. Yeah, I mean, I think more than likely we're just going to end up at the fringe recording a live episode of the podcast. Well, I think that's probably more likely than our musical <laughs> adaptation of my dinner with Audrey. <laughs> but I'm not closing my mind to it. Okay, okay. You know, if um, uh, if Lemon Miranda could do that adaptation of the NPR piece, anything's possible. Uh, exactly. Whatever that was called. Naomi, um, yeah, twenty one Chump Street. Yes, that's it. It's very good. <laughs> it is. It is, and I'm sure that my dinner with Andre the musical will also be very good. Starring
So, Tommy, that was Mary Poppins. That was just delightful. Mary Poppins. Mary. And it was Mary Poppins. And we only did terrible British accents for a little bit. Exactly. Mine is particularly bad. <laughs> Not as bad as mine. <laughs> um, hey, you ready for a quiz question? Am I ever? <laughs> Boy, howdy. Well, nice and simple this week, guys. Um, what show is the world's longest running musical? Ooh. If you want to get in touch with us, the show Twitter is at Jim Atomic, or join the Reddit discussion. There are links in the show notes in your podcatcher right now or at JimAtomic.com. Yes, and while you're there, you can check out our Patreon if you would like to financially support the show. Um, thank you so much to all of our current patrons. We love you lots. Um, also, any reviews you would like to leave us on Apple Podcasts are always super helpful, and, too. And always the most helpful thing you can do is tell your friends about our show. Yes. They most of our shows found through word of mouth so thanks <laughs> yeah thank you um, that's all for this week thank you very much for listening cheers cheers hey it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm jumping out of the plane. I'm bailing it. Here we go. Pull the parachute. That's how it ends. <laughs> That's how it ends. Well, you need to add a bit more to it. So, ah. And that was my dinner with Andre. <laughs> I can't remember the music, but yeah. I'm amazed Done. anyone listens to this podcast.